0: The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Akin. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Yun Chen. He is a licensed clinical psychologist and he specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, chronic pain, trauma, OCD and related disorders. He also has an extensive experience working with couples. He practices cognitive behavioral couple therapy and emotionally focused therapy to promote relationship strength for couples whose relationships are under stress. In this episode, we are discussing life after narcissistic abuse. How to ensure mutual compromise, hold others accountable, and maintain independence in new relationships. We'll also explore strategies for healthy conflict resolution and
1: discerning honesty. Let's get started. Hi, doctor yoon Yun-Chen. It's so nice to have you here to talk with me about uh, some of the important topics that we are going to cover today.
2: Thank you for ha- having me. Juliana. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Juliana, you got that right. And um, yeah, so today I'm excited. I'm looking forward for our discussion because we have important questions and we have many questions. So I want to get started with our first one, which is In healthy relationships, there is a willingness to compromise in narcissistic relationships, compromising, quote unquote, compromising, looks like the person being abused prioritizing the narcissist's well being over their own. What type of boundaries can a survivor have in place to ensure that they develop a healthy relationship that has a mutual willingness to compromise?
2: Yes. I think the first question I want to answer is like when to compromise, right? Because there are times we want to compromise and there are times we actually would like to stand by our boundaries. So when talking about boundaries in any types of relationships, there's open two types of boundaries. One is more like a hard boundary and the other is a more dynamic boundary, right? For example, hard boundary, you know, in a... uh monogamous relationship right i think oftentimes it is expected that the couple only have sex with the other partner right so that is often something we call a hard boundary is it is expected that both parties respect that boundary and uh, once that boundary is crossed you know that that is less something that we are willing or we we are like openly willing to consider to compromise of course if it happens we can work together to you know do some of the the repairment if both couples are interested at the same time that is not something that we just like be open and willing to compromise all the time right i think the other type of boundary is called dynamic boundaries and that type of boundary is more like like it's dynamic because it changes across time across situation and uh it varies across people's values and goals within the relationship over time, right? So when it comes to, to the dynamic boundary and when it comes to compromise for that type of boundary, right, I think it's first important for us to kind of understand, like in a narcissistic relationship, I think a, a simplified version of a cycle is the switch in between idealization and the devaluation, right? It's like ups and down. Ups and down, ups and down, two extremes, right? And in a healthy relationship, actually there are still ups and downs, but it's more in the middle range, right? Ups and down, ups and down, ups and down, right? So if we were to actually change the word compromise, you know, to another word in a narcissistic relationship, I think it's more like one party try to police the other. I think it's compromise is more like pleasing right i think in a healthy relationship on the opposite side the word compromise may better fit uh, we we, we can switch the word compromise into negotiation Mm -hmm. it's two parties trying to work together to reach a goal they would both like to achieve you know in a relationship so if we say like what type of boundaries or what are some of, of the tips right to be able to like compromise or negotiate, you know, in a healthy relationship, the first is to let go of the power, the power struggle. I think it's very natural for people have the urge to struggle for power in any type of dynamic, intimacy relationship, friendship, right, working relationship. I think it's all over the place. At the same time, if the couple wants to be able to walk together and uh, and move forward together, holding hands on something. Then the first step is to be able to let go of the power, power struggle, noticing that the goal of the conversation is not to demonstrate who is better or worse,
3: mm-hmm. or
2: it's not to establish, you know, a power dynamic in a relationship. Rather, it's two people working together on the same level and making something happen for themselves. Step number one. Step number two is indeed to understand each other's uh, point of view. If we again coming back to a uh, an unhealthy relationship, right? I think again the conversation is less about understanding each other, it's more about demonstrating who is right or wrong. It's more about making the other person maybe feel bad. So we got something like so we either we got to keep the power in our relationship or we get something else we want, right? So. The second important piece of, you know, like setting a boundary in all negotiation in a healthy relationship is to be able to find a way to understand each other's point of view through, you know, clear, loving, gentle communications, right? And the third step is to finding areas of the agreement. Let's be honest, like in all healthy relationships, None there's no couple that just agree with each other a hundred percent of times. Mm-hmm. Right. So the work is not to just be agreeing to each other all the time, even though inner side of yourself you don't want to. And that's something we observe in a, a, a unhealthy relationship, right? We see we say yes to things that we don't necessarily agree with in order to, you know, keep something going. Right. So I think in a healthy relationship, it is for the two people. It's like two two circles, right? Be able to identify the part that is in the, in the middle, mm-hmm. highlighting that part and finding a way to create what we call a wing-wing situation. Right. Both individuals enter a conversation and they negotiate with each other. They can be very honest. They can also stand by their boundary, right? Being honest loving does not mean we have to just like not asking for anything or not having any boundary at all we can still have our boundaries be loving open and gentle at the same time and be able to to people have the willingness to identify the areas that they both agree with and work together and create a plan to highlight that area and be able to create again a win-win situation for both of them so that's how compromise or how negotiation looks like you know in a healthy Hmm.
1: okay yeah that was really really helpful so um to sum up uh real quick all of those things that you just said so first step you kind of said that um letting go of this uh you know power struggle and this mindset that you approach the situation from the point of view that oh i need to win this or that i i can't lose this so kind of putting that aside and understanding that it's not about that and then the second one was kind of basically empathy so you are able to um see the other person's perspective while you are Mm -hmm. entering this um, situation where you have to compromise or or have this discussion and then the third one mm-hmm. was um, trying to find those win-win situations so where where is this uh, the ground where both of you are able mm-hmm. to you know benefit it from uh, somehow and you know focus focus on that
2: yes okay. and sometimes the win-win uh situation is not like you know both parties come kind of like win-win at the same time because sometimes we need to give and take Right. Mm-hmm. I think another version of a win-win situation is one party compromise one time with the understanding that when forward in some other aspect, that partner who has compromised that is important to him or her, the other partner would be willing to compromise mm-hmm. on his or her end, right? So win-win situation could be, you know, both parties find it to be win-win at the same time, okay? Okay. One wants to go to, I don't know, hiking, one, one wants to go boating. They mm-hmm. go somewhere that there's a lake, they can both hike and, and boat, okay? Mm-hmm. That's win-win at the same time. And sometimes we just need to give and take, right? For example, who is going to pick up the kids? right? Mm-hmm. Then we need to figure out, okay, maybe you pick up on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I pick up on Tuesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, and Friday, and also, you know, while you have to like cover some of your work on weekend, I agree to do take care of the kids. Right. So in that case, win-win is both parties. So again, do like, I think the bottom line is both parties comes into the conversation with the intention to work things out, not with the intention to either ship all responsibility or the blames on the other party. Or, to just like you know to 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 demonstrate i'm I'm the right person and you are wrong right it's it's the intention to work things out so yeah.
1: mm, okay um then i'm I'm thinking I don't know if this is a weird question, but like because um you know many survivors they have been in a narcissistic relationships where yeah, like we kind of already established that this compromising can look like that. That they mm-hmm. are just prioritizing the narcissist well-being over their own so like you know either people pleasing mm-hmm. behaviors or just you know um mm-hmm. it's always the narcissist who uh, that everything is done with the way that they yeah. want because it's really exhausting to be fighting with them all the time so um are there some kind of internal boundaries that someone can set with themselves to make sure that they do not end up in a situation like that ever again that um, that they really like are there some internal boundaries that help someone to make sure that that uh, in these situations where there there is a need to compromise that they don't Mm
3: -hmm. for
1: example all, all the time you know prioritize someone's some someone else's needs over their own or, or again, uh, ex, uh, engage in people-pleasing behaviors?
2: That's a great question, right? I think, again, the answer to the question comes from what drives or urge to compromise, right? I think uh-huh. that is something we want to be able to ask ourselves because sometimes the way I see a narcissistic relationship is kind of like fishing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the... The victims is kind of like the fish, while the 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 other party is the person who is fishing, right? I think it's that this cycle of again idealization and the devaluation, right? Go and like let go and and, uh, and pull, let go and pull, let go and pull, mm-hmm. right? So the other party often feels exhausted,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? Often feels so confused, mm-hmm. right? It's sad, depressed, anxious. Always anticipating what's gonna come next, right? And, and and with this idealization phase, they 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 feel reassured, and that and then the the cycle repeats itself, right? So I think something you know we want to be able to keep in mind is what drives the urge to compromise is actually if we notice the urge to compromise is driven by fear or certain type of you know. Uh, fear of losing the idea of the other party right fear of not no longer being able to be in a relationship okay. I think if those are the urges that drives over mm-hmm. over you know urge to compromise then it is quite important for us to identify that oh,
0: yeah. and
2: whenever that happens we were able to take a step back say okay in the past when I I This is something familiar to me, right? In the past, I have been driven, like whenever I compromise in this relationship, it's driven by my fear and you know what? It did not really work out in my benefits. So moving forward, if the reason for me to compromise is driven by fear of losing the relationship or fear itself, then that might be a point for us to do the opposite. That is mm-hmm. stand by our boundary and not and no longer compromise because we know that does not work out right and that person itself is challenged it's difficult because we are used to actually mm-hmm. to compromise you know in the face of fear right that's something we you know once we are in a unhealthy relationship we kind of like train our body to learn that pattern right i think at the same time, it is important for us to be mindful of that and also find a way to break that pattern because it does not work out for us.
1: Mm, okay, yeah, that was helpful. Thank you so much. Um, then what do you think? How can a survivor of narcissistic abuse who is transitioning from a narcissistic environment to a healthy one learn how to hold others accountable for their actions and feel comfortable doing it?
2: That's a great question. At the same time... I think the way I'm going to answer it is to kind of like first identify like from my perspective, some of the assumptions that actually comes with this question.
3: Mm
2: So I think first, I fully understand where these questions come from, like why we have this type of questions in our mind. At the same time, from my point of view, I noticed that, you know, this question is kind of like asked from the lens of a victim, kind of like under the assumption that there's something wrong to look out for in a relationship mm. that could be otherwise healthy right mm. if i were to give a brief answer which some people may not be a fan of my answer is that you know like in a healthy relationship like keeping the other party accountable it's not something that is necessarily on people's agenda
3: mm.
2: not something we just look out for right oh my god is my partner doing okay you know is that you know right it's Yeah. So I think in a healthy relationship, I think both parties, they engage in actions that keeps each other, keep themselves accountable for for the most part. Mm. And uh, by working on themselves, it makes the relationship going, right? If you imagine the two people is constantly keeping the other person accountable, uh, you know, it kind of like make me think how we can like create a healthy dynamic Right in, in in that relationship itself. So, if I were to answer this question, right, I think again I fully understand why this mm-hmm. question come up, and it's a very valid question. Okay, at the same time, I think maybe the first step is to keep ourselves mm-hmm. in a new healthy relationship. Right, is to keep, take care of our own mental health first, because, it, you know, quite honestly, like, uh, being a survivor of a unhealthy or a relationship you know it can traumatize people right and the our brain is always constantly trying to look after ourselves right so if we have certain type of trauma experience in the past it is very natural for our brain to look out for cues in any new relationships to oh that looks similar right that like my my peers' partner said that and did that, and that is a warning sign, right? I mean, our brain constantly brings our past into the future with the goal to protect us, right? That is completely reasonable. At the same time, if we too much fused with what happened in the past, even though to a certain extent it does help function in a way to protect us. It, it it would actually prevent us from giving this new relationship a fair shot mm. because we kind of live in our shadow, live in our past. It, for, for very reasonable causes at the same time, we are here to talk about how to make things work, how to make a new relationship work, right? I think mm-hmm. the first, you know, work again we might want to do is to be able to, you know, be able to keep ourselves accountable, paying attention to our own mental health, right? Work on ourselves, and I think something I do with couple and in my own, you know, work um, as a clinical psychologist is act acceptance and coming therapy, right? I think part of the work I do with people is how to hold the pain they had in their life in the past, and still engage in actions that are in line with their values, right? It's be able to have both of those experiences at the same time. So to, to answer your question, I think one way that couples may want to learn and practice is to hold the pain that happened to them in the past, which is so painful and hurtful, and that's, that, that's nothing we ever asked for want, you know, we're of? No. I think at the same time, it happened, right? Mm-hmm. I think what we want to learn is to have that be part of us because, because that will continue to be part of us for many, many years to come and still be able to be willing to give these relationships a chance, a shot, to mm-hmm. go into the relationship with curiosity, with openness, right? And if we find ourselves being triggered, in the new relationship by something happened in the past, be willing and which is very hard to take a step back, ask ourselves, you know, am I being triggered by the past? And uh, do I want to, you know, act on it? Or do I want to take a pause and look at it and work it out with my partner? Right. And I think that is something that I think might, might be helpful to, you know, to, to learn and practice in terms of entering a new relationship from a relationship that was quite unhealthy in the past, right? And yes, I think the reality is, Juliana, we have no control over other people's behavior. Hopefully mm-hmm. that is something we can be on the same page, yeah. right? We can do what we can do to communicate our needs, our desire. We can, we can openly share what happened in the past with our new partner to help them understand, you know, what has been going on, to help them understand our pain and suffering. At the same time, you know, what we have come to over is ourselves. And I think that might be something more valuable and uh, beneficial for us to work upon. I think, again, it's difficult to just create a plan to keep our partner accountable. And also, from my perspective, at least, I also don't see that being a a, a long-term approach that would keep the relationship healthy. Yeah,
3: mm,
1: Yeah. so, uh, yeah, like, just to clarify, like, the reason why it's not going to work on a long-term in a way that makes the relationship healthy and healthier, is it, like, because we should what makes the relationship healthier and healthier in the long term is if both parties keep themselves accountable and not that the other person is all the time pointing out and trying to keep the other person accountable. Can that build Mm -hmm. like resentment in the other partner or feelings of like they are being criticized all the time? Or is there some specific reason why in the long term it's not going to, you know, be helpful when we are talking about the health, uh, like how healthy the relationship is?
2: Yes, I think I think the first is first I think it's impossible for us to control the other well, person's yeah. <laughs> behavior, right? Yes, I think that um, I think that is the first problem and it's kind of like an important issue, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Because
2: we can try to communicate what we want and desire at the same time, it's the other person's choice to do whatever they want to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? We can set up boundaries to help the other person understand if you cross this, I'm gonna leave. Well, I'm going to do something in response, in a healthy way. Not like, oh, I'm I'm going to do something, (laughs) right? It's like in a healthy way, you know, hey, here's my boundary, right? I love you, but here's my boundary. Mm -hmm. I would like you to respect that. That's what we can do, right? I think that's one way to keep, you know, each other accountable. I think, yes, it's through clear, open, and gentle, loving conversation, communication about what we want and where our boundaries are. Right. And yes. And second, just as you mentioned, Juliana, like constantly reminding the other person, like, you know, or constantly looking after the other person, checking on other person's behavior itself, not only is time consuming, but also may send out a message that that person is not trustworthy. Mm
3: -hmm. Otherwise,
2: why? We need to constantly Mm -hmm. look after the other person, Right. We, 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 have, we have to ask this question. And uh, it's very likely sooner or later, the other person may get a message, even though unspoken, like why you ask me the same question over and over again. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to come home at 6 p.m.? Who are you having dinner with? Right? Like, you know, I think, yes, I think this type of intentions, questions, even though I understand why we have the urge or the intention to ask them.
3: Mm-hmm. At
2: the same time, in the long run, I feel they may send you know, messages that are not necessarily healthy to the relationship.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. And then what do you think? How can a survivor who is making the transition to a healthy environment ensure that they protect their independence in their new relationships?
2: Yes, I think I want to start with with a metaphor that, you know, broccoli is very healthy, right? You know, it's uh, My daughter loves eat, eating broccoli, so mm-hmm. I love that. At the same time, if broccoli is the only thing we eat, it's going to it's going to be a problem, <laughs> right? So, so I think independency comes with options. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the more so the more options we give to ourselves, the more in independen- independence, we will be, we will likely be able to do. So when I say options,
3: mm-hmm. it
2: is that. If we were to look at the values and goals a human beings have for his or her life, intimate relationship is, is important, right? But that's not the only option, right? So something I often shared with my client either in couple or individual walk is that in order to keep something, we, we well need to learn to be, to be willing and be okay to let it go. So, when to answer your question, how to protect people's independency is, again, we want to be able to identify or live a life outside this relationship. We need to be able to find our values, our goals that are important to us outside this relationship. Of course, we, we want to be able to work on important values and goals within the relationship. Mm-hmm. We don't want to only eat broccoli. We want to mm-hmm. eat different various type of vegetables right how about your career right friendship family relationship self growth hobby right like physical health emotional health what do you want for yourself outside this relationship right what is the entire package of the life you want to have yes relationship may may looks like a big sweet cookie <laughs> in a package with the heart shape right Mm -hmm. but let's look at the other cookies or chocolate that you may also be able to enjoy Mm -hmm. why that's important because if the other person is the only thing we have if the other person is the entire world for us it's difficult for us to develop independency right if the other person is one of the most important things that's going on in our life then it's actually healthier not only in the relationship itself, but also for us to be able to have more things to look forward to in our lives. And that cultivates independency, right? So uh, yes, it's to self-care is to identify and engage in value outside in, in the intimacy relationship, even though the, in, in, we can still, you know, take the in, intimacy relationship very seriously and give it a lot of weight. Right. I think the second is I think people sometimes talk about is maybe to have some financial independency as well uh, because being able to if, you know I think if if two people were to enter a conflict which will happen in any type of relationships okay not, large or small I think something that can be really helpful is to have some some if, if you feel you need to leave the house the apartment or the situation at at least have some means for you for you to be able to go somewhere Mm -hmm. right so basically you we want to have the the option or the choice or the freedom to to you know like to separate ourselves or create some distance when we need to or want to Mm -hmm. and financial independence is something quite important for us to make that happen right if you are fully dependent on the other party to to provide for you financially, then when we do want to have a break or, you know, or, or you know, or be able to create some physical distance, we may feel trapped. Yeah. And that would really damage our ability to be able to build up our, you know, independency, right? Yes, and I think the number... I think the third thought I have is to maybe work on our own mental health.
3: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: I think again, if we were to come back to the pattern of a narcissistic relationship, it is the cycling between ideally I I, I idealization and the devaluation, right? And maybe something we want to work on ourselves is that do we have the tendency to I to idealize our partner once we enter a relationship? Right? Or do we have the tendency to over time giving up, like over, like, 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 or or put another way, do we have the tendency to notice, like, over time, we get too used to sit in the passenger seat and let our partner just be the driver all the time. We used to have the car key, and over time we say, take take the car key. You make the decision every single time. I'm just gonna ride along. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know. That may work in some relationships at the same time, we are just letting go the autonomy mm. that may benefit us, right in, in in one moment or another. So do we have the tendency to do that? And if mm. so, maybe that's something we can work on ourselves because again, you know, if we want to have in in in, in independencies, we want to be able to have the financial and also, the emotional, mental, physical agency to be able to make that happen. Right? And I think something else that's quite important is to have a life outside the relationship, friendship, you know, like like family relationship, be able to have a social network that could be there for you when you are having a hard time in your relationship. Right. If, if I were to summarize all the points I mentioned into three words is to, to, to have a life. <laughs> Is to, is to have a life inside ourselves and uh, and outside ourselves.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, those were great tips. And yeah, I don't have anything to add. I think that was compre- <laughs> comprehensive. <laughs> yeah.
2: Happy to be helpful. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, then what do you think, can you explain the difference between arguing in an abusive relationship and conflict resolution in a healthy one? Then, can you explain how a survivor making a transition to a healthy environment can ensure that they surround themselves with people who are willing to resolve conflicts
2: in a healthy manner? So, first, conflict is inevitable in any type of relationship, you know, not only just in intimacy in relationship, right? Conflict is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, oftentimes, something I shared with my clients is comp- having conflict is not a problem, it's how we handle it, right? Like what is the intention that we bring into the conflict, right? To answer the first part of the question, seeing that's something I already mentioned a little bit, is that in a unhealthy relationship or in a like uh narcissistic relationship, the function of a conflict oftentimes is the struggle for power.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Right? And the intention of the conflict is not to resolve a problem. Or work together on something that is important but just two people disagree with it is oftentimes to prove the other person is wrong or or is inferior in the relationship right is to demonstrate like the power you know Mm -hmm. i think and again in a healthy relationship right again the word of compromising can be changed to either teamwork or negotiation right Mm -hmm. the function It's more like two people who naturally just disagree with each other on some topics, which is part of human life, okay, and come together knowing they disagree with each other, but still be willing to work together and compromise, right, or negotiate to make something happen. Right, so that's the differences in between our arguing or conflicts in a unhealthy versus a healthy relationship. Right, so how can we, you know, create like an environment that people are more willing to resolve conflicts in a healthier manner? I think something I coach couples, actually, in my walk is the four train racks mm-hmm. that often set people up.
3: Okay, okay.
2: the first one, is criticism you never do something right you never you always mm-hmm. see how <laughs> how damaging that type of you know um wo- wording can be right Exper- expression right you never help me you never care about me right the second is called defensiveness
3: mm-hmm.
2: i'm good you're bad you know like it's it's all your fault Right. The third is called disrespect. You, xxx. Right. You are a asshole. You are a whatever. Right. It's disrespect. Okay. The last one is also a very powerful and people do it all the time. It's called stone warning. Stone warning. I don't like what you said. Couple coming to conflict, escalate through criticism, defensiveness, dis- disrespect. They not go anywhere, separate part, part never talk about it.
3: Mm.
2: Problem continue.
3: Mm.
2: Nothing got resolved. And both parties feel they are being disrespected. They are, you know, they are not being heard. The other party don't love them, okay about them. And then the next time the same problem will, will happen again, which will likely happen because two people see each other every day if the problem mm-hmm. is not resolve, it's going to arise, right? They're going to criticize each other more, be defensive more, be disruptive more, and start warning again. That's just a vicious cycle, as you can see. Yeah. Right? So in a healthy relationship, we do the opposite. Okay, we coach people to do the opposite. For example, the opposite of criticism is gentle startup. Okay. Is to enter the conversation with gentleness. For example, I statement instead of you, never, right? We can say I feel X Y Z, right? I noticed X Y Z, right? Start with I, okay. Make people like make the conversation like more soft, okay. Mm -hmm. And also, second point in terms of gentle startup is to to. Date the situation with a neutral tone instead of, you know, you never help me with household cleaning, right? Like stay in a neutral tone that I noticed that our household, our, our apartment has been messy for the last week, right? Neutral tone. Help the other person take it in and be willing to work on it, right? The second is highlighting the positivity piece. And that's hard, but that's also important. It's to highlight the possibility, highlighting the positive in the middle of a conflict. For example, sharing with the other person, the last time we worked together on cleaning up the house a few weeks ago, it makes me feel very happy. Mm. It, it, It makes me feel loved and connected with you, see? It's to highlighting the positive in the middle of a conflict, And that language, that sentence sometimes can just stop up Mm -hmm. the conversation so much. And two people are willing to, to walk, right? And something important is to share our emotions. Emotions are very powerful tools. Help our partner understand what are we feeling. Not just say the state of fact, right? The apartment is messy. We all know it. Right. We, we can look at it and, and know, okay, it's important. At the same time, it does not really give the other person much information to, to work on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I think, you know, if we can incorporate some information that I feel sad whenever I saw the apartment being messy because this is our home. And I would hope, you know, this can be something we come back after a day of long walk and feel comfortable about. But right? if you let that know, you know, if you share that piece with your partner, that gives much more information than you say, the apartment is messy, fix mm-hmm. it. Right, okay. information, give tell people, share your partner, uh, share your emotions with your partner. I think the second is, or the third is, take some responsibilities, okay? Oftentimes when a conflict happens, most, mm-hmm. in most cases, both parties carry some responsibilities sometimes it can be very helpful to solve the other party part uh to be able to solve the other party by us acknowledging what we can do better right to maybe start with us you know not not that we're gonna just give up and uh, compromise all the way Mm
3: -hmm.
2: no it is a way to enter the conversation right stay by what you are comfortable and willing to take responsibility for and stay there. If your partner try to give you more, stay there. Don't just say, Oh, okay. I'm going to take that. Now, if you don't want to take that, don't take that, but we can still take what we can take.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Number three is kind of quite um, obvious is be respectful. We can still be <laughs> respectful while we are feeling upset, angry, or frustrated about certain things. Mm-hmm. Right. We can use languages that, you know, help two people connect. Right. Last but not least, instead of stone warning, just two people escalated and separate part, mm-hmm. something we really want couple to learn is to be able to first take a pause in the middle of an a elevated conversation. If you see the conversation is not going anywhere, take a pause. It's okay. Going back to your room, the other person in the living room, of them each of you doing something that to soothe you listen to music take a shower whatever right and this is very important is to have a consensus that you're going to come back and continue the conversation once you take a break once you come down you agree say we're going to come back at 8 8 pm and continue this conversation Mm. and that's important because the only way to move forward and resolve is, issue, hopefully, is for people to work together. right? It's okay for people to feel upset, feel pain, feel elevated. At the same time, a healthy couple do find ways to come back to the table and uh, hopefully be able to create a win-win uh, con- condition for themselves. Right, so be able to take a break and coming back to the conversation is also something quite important to establish a healthy relationship in a long run. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's thank- all I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank Oof, you. Now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You tackled that big question well. <laughs> so it was great. Um. Then we have final question, which is how can a survivor tell if someone they are trying to build a healthy relationship with is honest?
2: That's a very difficult question to answer. I wish I can call my forensic psychology friend to you know help me with that question, but I don't have one, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna try to answer the question from a clinical psychology perspective, which my answer may not you know make. Maybe something that people are not a big fan of, again, is I don't think we can to really tell someone is honest or not, at least based on the knowledge base I have. I'm sure there are things people can do, mm-hmm. but from a healthy perspective, like a healthy relationship of perspectives, right? I mean, I have been working with partners who have been married for over 10 or 20 years and still commit... Uh, Right in a relationship for one reason or another, and the other partner finds out a few months or even a year or two later, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the short answer is sometimes it's just so difficult for us to tell whether someone is honest or not. I think um yes, I think I don't have a good answer on that end. I think on the other end, again, is if we were to come back to the question in terms of how to keep the other party accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. I think my my answer may be similar. Is that maybe what we can do is again to carry the pain we have in the past? Because again, I do understand why this question came up. At the same time, maybe what we can do is to carry our pain and be willing to give this new relationship a shot, if it's a chance. Mm-hmm. Being able be willing to trust the other party. Mm-hmm. that you know this is a person i can i'm willing to trust if you if you look at the word trust juliana it implies we, we don't know everything if we if we know everything why why would you trust we we, we just mm-hmm. know right yeah the word trust already tells us we don't know
3: yeah but
2: we are willing put faith into another person we would like to have a long-term relationship with, right? Mm -hmm. So by saying I'm willing to trust you, it already implies that we don't know whether the other person is honest or not. But because this is something I would like to pursue, I'm willing to give a shot. I'm willing to take some risks, in order to make something work, right? So yes, I think something I often share with my client is that everything we do in our lives involves risks, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm drinking this like soda. It, <laughs> it, it, it might be poisoned, right? Who knows?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I may die, you know? <laughs> And, uh, I'm going to drive my daughter to, you know, to see her friends after this. And, uh, to be honest, I, I, I may getting into a car accident and I may die as well, right? Get a chance. I'm married and you are too. And, uh, I really wish all relationship goes well, but we all, we also know many of them don't. Mm. there's a risk there right if you if you think about it even taking a breath i mean New york city okay <laughs> the air quality is it's is, is not the best here. <laughs> hopefully yeah. people know i'm maybe i'm slowly chemo- killing myself so what should i do maybe should i should I hold, hold my breath <laughs> yeah. right so risk is everywhere it's part of living it's it's part of a package of being a human being Mm-hmm. Right. If we again, if we were to come back to this, this question again, I understand why the, where, like what drives people to answer this question at the same time. Maybe we just need to take the risk.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe we need to keep an open mind, give the relationship a fair chance. And again, be, be willing to learn to carry the pain with us that, you know, we had learned through the traumatic experience we had in the past. And be willing to take risks and give ourselves an opportunity Mm
3: -hmm.
2: for something that could be potentially valuable to us. And nobody can guarantee what's gonna happen to this new relationship at the same time if we constantly just look out for cues that indicate that that you know indicates something is wrong or could be wrong. Then we're actually getting getting away of ourselves having a healthy long-term relationship.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, I'm not sure if, if my answer <laughs> I'm not sure if I answered the question, but that is where I am in terms of what I can give. To yeah. This yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, makes sense. So it almost sounds like that if someone is like very kind of obsessed with the idea of trying to you know all the time thinking can i trust can i trust can i trust so they automatically might approach the new relationship with quite a negative in one way negative mindset that they are all the time looking for cues that if the person Mm -hmm. is not trustworthy Is it that you almost can, for example, for certain, then always find something, (laughs) and you can might, you might, yeah, you might like almost interpret also, you know, stuff wrong and give meaning to stuff that don't need to have that meaning, whatever you are giving to it, and it really might, you know, I I mean, it hurts your brain already. Like you are like, you get so confused and and Mm -hmm. and then. I I've, don't you think that then the other person who if they are all the time being confronted about, you know, they are all the time being like that the person looking for cues of uh, that person being not trustworthy, and then they are all the time confronted about it, that might not feel that nice as well. Like if you're all the time being like questioned, yeah. whatever you do, and that also might not. Be helpful for the relationship, especially in the beginning. Like, mm. or what do you think?
2: Yes, I think in psychology it's called self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> we we act on something and we kind of like make the outcome we don't want to have happen. Actually, by mm-hmm. doing the things we do, yeah. I think something that really manifested is like you know in the treatment of anxiety disorders. Right? It's 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 like it's very well manifested right we are we are afraid of you know i don't know social anxiety going to mm-hmm. the par- going to the parties and we don't go and uh in the moment we feel better but in the long run we kind of like we we just keep this pattern going right we we continue to feel afraid of going to, to the party so mm-hmm. the anxiety actually grows over time by us acting on it right i think very similar here i'm 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 Fully first again, I fully understand there might be something that drives us to constantly check on the other party,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: But like you have mentioned, and it's reasonable why people do that. Okay, it's not that people are crazy or mm-hmm. out of their mind. It's just they had something traumatic in the past, and their brain is trying to tell them to protect themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what happened. It's a it's it's so natural. It's so human, right? At the same time, what we ask ourselves here is that, does that work for you, mm-hmm. right? It's natural for you to have that urge and do it, but does doing it really work for you? And just as you mentioned is that, yes, it's going to actually push the other person away if you if we do that all the time. Once or twice, maybe okay, mm-hmm. right? It's reasonable, you know? Once or twice, maybe okay, but if we just fall into a pattern, then we're actually creating gaps, right? Yeah. Creating disconnections in the relationship itself. Mm. And that disconnection is gonna, it's only going to grow if we continue doing the same thing we do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And sooner or later, before we notice it, we are afraid of just to be a disconnection and we just constantly checking and seeking reassurance and connection happens. And now we say, see, I'm right. So, so we do it more, and then the relationship start to dissolve, right, mm-hmm. and start to really compromise the quality of the relationship. Yes, I think something we we may want to learn is to catch ourselves in those moments and be able to ask ourselves: Is the way I react to my past really contributing to the future I want to have for my relationship? Mm-hmm.
3: If not
2: then we might need to do the opposite, mm.
3: right?
2: It's to, again, it's to live with the anxiety, live <laughs> with the pain,
3: yeah.
2: and still find a way to be willing to communicate and uh, work things out with our partner.
1: Okay,
3: yeah.
2: Really good, right?
1: yeah. yeah. what do you think about the mindset or opinion or, I don't know, approach that, well, that trust needs to be earned?
2: The trust needs to be earned. I think, yes, I think I, I agree with that, you know, statement of perspective, mm-hmm. right? Again, if from my perspective, it's earned by both people working on themselves.
3: Okay.
2: Instead of earned by both people trying to check on, check on the other person, right? The, mm. Yes, the, the, the trust is earned by us engaging actions that put faith or trust into other people's mind. right. I think that's how trust being earned. I think tr- trust is not earned by us constantly look on the other person's sh- look over the other person's shoulder mm. and uh, and and seeking for evidence that whether the trust is there or not or if there's anything right around there, I just don't think trust is being earned that way. I think, again, trust is being earned by us working on ourselves.
1: Okay, yeah. Then what do you think about, uh, I often hear that one kind of, I don't know, warning sign or red flag in general is if you are interacting with a new person in a new relationship, and you start noticing a pattern where they're, their words, for example, don't align with their actions. Is that something that you have to then be like, hmm, okay, this person might not be trustworthy?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure those um uh, information or warning signs are definitely helpful, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: think it's important to have a conversation with the other person about what is going on. Okay. Right? I think I think, you know, it might it, it, it might be okay for someone to say hey you know your 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 word and uh, and, and actions just don't do not in line with each other and uh, and, and just leave the relationship right away again i think it comes back to the first question about ba- boundary right mm-hmm. i think we want to give the the other person a chance to explain him or herself what is going on
3: yeah.
2: right and we can also stand by our boundary is that okay i understand this might be the reason but In to for me for a relationship to work, I need my partner. You know, his or her like words and actions to be in line with each other. So here's my boundary, right? I I care about you. I want this to be able to work at the same time. If you if if this is something you want to work on, then you need to make this happen, right? Otherwise, here's my boundary. Okay. And I'm I'm gonna stand by my boundary. You know, when, when it, when things happened, right? So then the other partner have his or her chance to opportunities to do whatever
3: <laughs> he or she
2: wants to do, to be honest, right? Again, mm-hmm. come back to keep the other party accountable. We, we, we can't, yeah. we can just communicate and uh, let other person know where we are. Yeah. If that person still do the same thing, then it's up to us to live, right? And uh, in that moment, we want to catch ourselves. Do I have the urge or the tendency to please the other person in the sacrifice of our boundaries? Come back to the peer's question, right? Our own mental mm-hmm. health. If we do, then we we may do, we may need to do something that is opposite to our urge. Maybe we just need to stand by our boundary, even though it's painful in the moment. But mm-hmm. we know in the past, if we just let it go, it's gonna just so much damaging our own mental health. Mm-hmm. And the, the relationship is not going to work out anyway. And then we stand by our boundary and we say, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, yes, there's no, I think it's hard to just tell. Uh, I, again, I think we want to re- be able to talk about what is going on, express our boundaries. And uh, hopefully, you know, we want to, we, we give the other party a chance to look it out, right mm,
1: okay, yeah. yeah, and I feel like this kind of thinking about this, for example, if you do notice some sometimes or often that the person you are dealing with that their behavior doesn't align with their actions, and then you know that, okay, my boundary in you know, relationships is this consistency that there is yeah. alignment between uh words and and actions that if we approach the situation from the perspective of that, okay, it's my boundary, it kind of simplifies this whole thing because then you don't have to be, you know, anxious about like, are they they lying to me? Are they hiding something? Are they, what's going on? Because it simply is just, well, this is my boundary. And now I'm telling you this, I noticed this stuff. And well, I don't, do you have, do you have a specific reason why you're acting like this? And if not, I'm just now telling you my boundary is this and if it keeps going on, I do have to enforce my boundary. So it kind of simplifies it that you don't then have to engage in this whole process of trying to look like kind of hold them accountable and all the time. Look, look what they are doing. But it's just very simple that, hey, this is how it is. And yeah. uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. It matters what people say, but it matters more what people do. Right. So, (laughs) yes, I think that. That, that's something to, to be mindful of. And also, I think something else, it's it, it might be helpful to people to keep in mind is that we seldom enter a long-term relationship with someone we don't like, but that person likes us so much, right? We seldom do that. We want to get into a long-term relationship with someone we also like. Why? Because everybody enter a relationship to get something they want. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, right? We get married or enter a long-term relationship because there's something we want there, Mm -hmm. right? There are some needs we want to be be met. So I think another way to look at it is is that, you know, if this relationship no longer gives you what you are looking for, it's it's not the other partner is a bad person. It's just if this relationship no longer serves you in the way you wanted to be able to serve it. Maybe in the past 20 years it did, but now it, it, it does not, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's okay, right? Things change. Then we set up boundary and say, do we stay? Right? It's always be able to be mindful is to keep our own needs and uh, interests in mind. Because the only way to keep a healthy, relationship, you know, healthy is we feel we're getting something. Out from this friendship. And hopefully the other party do, right? Like both parties feel they are getting something out of this friendship. And that's how it, it can be healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Is to prioritize ourselves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all to be selfish <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's human nature. It's why we enter a friendship. We're all selfish individuals as just as humans,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: Only when our needs are being met we have the few to keep things going mm. okay
3: yeah
1: <laughs> makes sense makes sense. yes right okay yeah. great thank you so much i think today we had some great questions and great great answers so i want to thank everyone for listening and thank you dr yun Jen so much for coming here today and sharing your insight and knowledge about, about these topics and uh, giving such helpful and practical advice to, to, to these questions I, I really appreciate you so thank you so much
2: Thank you for having me
0: If you have enjoyed this episode please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.